Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Upping your football knowledge. Class is now in session. Session. I want you to turn the ball over that many times. It's not. Uh, it's hard to win those games, but uh, give them credit. You know they um, they they made the plays and forced the turnovers. That's Ben Roethlisberger right there talking about the turnovers in the game against some Broncos. And he's right, especially when you turn the ball over in the red zone. And that's key. And they had two huge turnovers right inside the red zone there. Of course, it came with his uh, big interception to end the football game. But also Grimble, Xavier Grimble, uh, earlier on in that football game. The play designed by Randy Feekner was tremendous. I thought they attacked Denver Broncos. They were moving up and down the field. You just have to capitalize in the red zone. And and at this point, they ran a little kind of uh, sprint right action, play action pass, roll right, and you have the tight end, Grimble, line up on the right side of the, the line, and he sneaks out to the left side, up the side, and uh, Ben throws it back, and Grimble goes through the for the end zone. Boom, hard hit. You could tell he actually looked like he was knocked out for a second, and he fumbles that football. And that was a that was a key blow at that point in the game because the Steelers were really moving, and they did all game. Uh, you know, Connor with a big fumble, Switzer with two fumbles. He didn't lose any now. I mean, uh, but you, you can't put the ball on the ground like that. And um, and then Ben's other turnover was the interception to AB. It looked like AB got grabbed and turned over, and he was running a shallow cross. So anytime the defender kind of tweaks his body away or grabs a jersey, or in this case pulled his left kind of shoulder pad, uh, twisted A.B.'s body, uh, and he wasn't able to continue on his route, and the ball floated past him to get intercepted. But, you know, you, you go into a hostile environment. This Denver Broncos football team is actually a good football team. Their, re- their record really doesn't give them uh, do them justice because uh, – they're a good football team. They've had really good teams in and out of that building this year. They've played a hard schedule, um, and they're you know they're they're trying to get themselves comfortable. I mean, I know they're just five and six right now, uh, but Case Keenum. I mean, he played well. He took care of the football. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Philip Lindsay. This guy's impressive. I mean, you have to be happy for the guy. Fourteen carries, hundred ten yards, a touchdown. I know, uh, Steeler fans, you're not happy for Lindsey, of course, but as an undrafted uh, rookie and to get this opportunity to see the way he's playing, it's it's impressive. I mean, you can't lie about that. Uh, but, you know, it's the turnovers that uh, come back to haunt the Steelers. Steelers sitting at 7-3-1 right now. They still have um, all their hopes and dreams alive to the division race. Now, it's going to just be that much harder, though, to win the number two seed uh, into the playoffs, but I honestly don't think that's the best thing for this Steelers football team. I think they're the type that's wired to be playing going into the playoffs and in the playoffs to play their best football. They don't need a week off. They need to be playing, and that's how I feel. I mean, because the Steelers are going to come up against a good Chargers football team Night game, 820 on NBC next week. And that's going to be exciting. Look, it's at home at Heinz Field. We know how Ben plays under the lights in primetime football games. Him and Phillip Rivers, same draft class. This is going to be a showdown and a shootout. 
the way these offenses are rolling. And then you go to Oakland and the Raiders. You hate playing a bad football team. We've seen it. Look, and I don't classify the Denver Broncos in that category of, of the Oakland Raiders. The Broncos are actually a better football team, okay? Now, the Raiders are a bad football team right now, and they're playing as a bad football team. Those teams scare me, and you have to bring your A game. And then you're going to play the Patriots and Saints in the Superdome. You're going to play the Saints. Then you finish with the Bengals. So you don't have an easy schedule in front of you now. And with the Ravens heating up a little bit, the Browns, no, I'm just kidding, the Browns, but the Browns did play pretty well, and we'll get to that, but um, the Steelers just have a tough road ahead of them. I think it's all in their control, though, as well, and um, they just have to take care of business, especially at Heinz Field next week, and, you know, it's just turnovers come back to them like we talked about, and I'm going to listen to Ben as he talks about uh, that last play, you know, it came down to that last play, play and um, I want to hear his description on what the play call was. Uh, it's a run pass option, and um, once once you're late to the handoff, you don't want to kind of force that um, the play because bad things can happen. And then, um, you know, I never would have thought in a million years that a defensive lineman would get blocked off the ball that far right into uh, an interception. But good play by him. That's Ben talking about his interception right there at the end, and he described it perfectly. As I watched the clip, Ben bobbled the snap a little bit. He's right. Anytime you feel off and you have a run pass option, an RPO, Ben has the opportunity as AB one-on-one. If he feels like he could complete the pass, and anytime in my career, the reason I would throw the pass is if you're 100% sure you could complete it. Now, Ben's 100% is way more... Uh, frequent than my 100%. So he has a flexibility to be more aggressive because he can. He has that kind of talent. But in that situation, when you kind of bobble the snap a little bit, you should hand it off 100% of the time because your timing and rhythm's off and you're going to be a tad late. And look, the defensive tackle, he slid off and was kind of getting blocked and it was a lazy rush. He fell right into that interception. He even admitted after the game that he wasn't even where he was supposed to be. Right time, right opportunity, the ball right in your face, and you make a catch. I mean, unbelievable. But the play didn't even look like it possibly would have gotten completed anyways. Uh, it's a tough tough play right there at the end. Uh, you'd like to think maybe Connor would have scored, but uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, and actually a linebacker shot the gap and looked like he possibly could have tackled Connor if you watch the replay a few times. and Tough loss for the Steelers on the road. But like I talked about, uh, just talked about, they still have everything in their hands and in their control moving forward. Um, they got to kind of just stay at They have a very tough schedule ahead of them. Um, and, but, you know, you just got to stay at it because that's what they got to do. And I'm trying to find what I'm looking for right now to give you guys what I'm looking for. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But how about that stuff with Baker Mayfield, huh? Baker Mayfield with the awkward handshake with Hugh Jackson after the game. I love it. Hugh Jackson, um, of course, that was his guy. That was his baby. That's who he drafted. Number one overall. And Baker can't even give him the time of day. 
And Baker or Hugh goes up to Baker after the game. For those of you who have not seen it, please Google uh, the handshake between Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield after that game. They go in for a handshake, half hug, and no, Baker just stiff-armed him, held his hand way out, boom, nothing happened, just a handshake, it kept it moving. And Baker said, look, a guy that was all in for us, and then he moves on to a team that you play twice a year, you know, he had some hard feelings for that. But listen, I don't think Baker Mayfield yet understands how this business works, you know, and Hugh Jackson got fired, you know, and and he can't just sit around at home and sit on his butt and feel sorry for himself. And he went out and got a job and it all all started with Marvin Lewis. So he went back to him and you, you can't blame him. But it is a tough situation. Now, uh, that was pretty badass, though, of uh, when he intercepted the pass and handed it to Hugh Jackson on the sideline. Um, that was uh, that was pretty sweet. But what are you going to do? The Browns played well. The Bengals didn't. The Bengals are struggling mightily on defense. And the Browns' offense with Freddie Kitchens is moving up and down the field. They're giving Mayfield plays he's comfortable with. They're operating quick and decisive, and that's how they like to play, and that's what Mayfield's doing. I mean, it is it is good to watch. He's a good young player, and I talked about it. I was on Mad Dog Sports, and I talked about the development of Baker Mayfield and what I thought about him. I was big on him coming out, so um, it was uh, – <clears throat> It's a good game. The guy's playing well, but I think the coaches around him are surrounding him with the type of plays that he's uh, comfortable with. And, yeah, I mean, what what a game. Baker Mayfield tearing it up. And then this Monday night football game, you got two outstanding young quarterbacks going at it, Deshaun Watson and Marcus Mariota. And Watson's explosiveness this guy is really starting to feel healthy right now and it's a beautiful thing to see he's getting back to his rare form 1924 210 yards two touchdowns but man those explosive plays nine rushes for 70 yards and a touchdown the guy can make it happen he's elusive and it's fun to watch Marcus Mariota almost breaking Philip Rivers record yesterday I almost failed to mention Rivers doing an outstanding job completing every pass till the end of the game. And they weren't easy passes either. I mean, he's taking shots downfield, and the guys are making contested catches. I mean, he's not just checking the ball down. So an amazing game by Phillip Rivers yesterday, which was awesome to see and watch. And Marcus Mariota, uh, again, doing it, almost breaking it, but – he was uh, 22 of 23. He ended the game, Marcus Mariota, 303 yards and two touchdowns. But this Titans football team is playing hot right now after starting 0-3. And, you know, it's pretty sweet to see. And there's a lot of good football. The Seahawks playing hot right now. The Chargers talked about the Chargers facing the Steelers next week. Uh, but Phillip Rivers, he's something else. And he finished the game 28 of 29. 259 yards and three touchdowns. That is insane. I mean, can you imagine that? You can't even play in the backyard and be 28 of 29 without just missing a pass because maybe the guy went too far or you thought he was going to do something else, but he didn't. You thought he was going to stop shorter, but he went a little further. I mean, that shit is hard. You got to give him credit, but uh, uh, 
There are some beautiful games. The thing I love the most, it's really getting down to December football. And this is where you have to play good in December to get to the playoffs. And the hottest team playing throughout December is usually the team that gets through the playoffs and has some success and possibly wins the Super Bowl. I'm going to play my a, a little interview from Mad Dog Sports Radio with my man Patrick. So we'll get on that, give you guys something to listen to. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, let me know all your questions and feedback that you have, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Patrick, my man, thanks for having me on. Dude, you are busy. By the way, okay, so I want to back up, because I, I don't know what it was, but I was so into you in college. Like, I try to tell people, Bruce Gronkowski wasn't a good college quarterback. He was a great college quarterback. <laughs> and I need to know, how did you end up at Toledo? Man, you know, well, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I, I appreciate the compliments because it's, it's not often I get a lot. If I get any now, it's from my mom or my <laughs> – or my wife, if I'm lucky. And uh, so, no, I grew up in Pittsburgh. And honestly, I didn't have many offers. I had a few one double A offers. I actually had a few offers uh, for basketball. Well, John Beeline, head coach of Michigan, was at Richmond at the time, coaching the Spiders in hoops. And he offered wow. he offered me. And um, But I thought, you know, I thought I could go further in football. And I actually committed to Eastern Kentucky. And then... Um, the next day in school, you know, I commit to Eastern Kentucky. We go to Walmart, we buy the socks, the t-shirts, everything. (laughs) My family loads up on, you know, on all the gear. I get home the next day in school, the Toledo coach calls me and he wants me to walk on. And I said, coach, you know, I'm all right. I have a full ride to Eastern Kentucky. It's easier on my parents. Um, and then he said, I'll call you back. And they came to watch me play basketball that week. And then uh, next thing you know, they offered me, brought me up for a visit. And, you know, the rest is history. But, you know, there's a lot of battles. I, I was telling the story today. I think my biggest accomplishment was when I won over the starting quarterback job at Toledo because they brought in a junior college transfer. It was my redshirt sophomore year. Uh, he looked the part. You know, he's 6'4". He could just sling it. And I'm I'm enamored watching this guy throw the, throw the ball. So I'm like, geez, how am I going to beat him out? And I just took it one step at a time and fortunately, you know, was playing very well, knew the offense, was athletic enough to make plays with my legs and and won the job. And, and I'm just thankful for that opportunity. So I, I try to tell all the young kids now um, when you're in high school and you're, you're getting overlooked, getting recruited, you know, be patient because you'll go to the right situation where you're supposed to be that will help you flourish and actually grow um, and help you become the, the player the person you're, you're meant to be so it worked out for i'm just very thankful that that it all worked out like that by the way bruce gridkowski joins us i don't mean to gloss over the fact that you played 11 seasons in the nfl so we will get to that i just <laughs> wanted to mention in particular i mean he had 85 touchdown passes in college which is incredible i was trying to remember on my drive into work today bruce who was the coach at toledo then who, who recruited you so uh, big Tom Amstutz and Rob, that's right. Yeah, with the big dude with the whistle. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. So so funny story. I'm at the combine coming out of Toledo, and the only team that interviewed me was Andy Reid and the Eagles. And we're sitting in the meeting room in the you know wherever they meet with you in Indianapolis, and it's Coach Reid and his whole staff, and he's sitting behind his desk and he's crushing 
potato chips, like, you know, two or three bags, and he's licking his fingers, wiping it on his chest, and he's just like, you know, man, I, I really like your coach. I like that guy, that big guy. What's, you know, <laughs> and it, it just cracks, cracked me up that Andy Reid was just crushing potato chips and, and now looking and seeing the success Andy Reid has had back then and how he has adjusted to the times. He's not caught up in his own system. He continues to learn and implement new things. I mean, he's just such a uh, offensive mad scientist. It's cool to, cool to see. I, want, that's, I wanted to ask you, because were you running a spread off? You ran a ton at Toledo. Or was it, I mean, maybe a little too far back for RPO. Like we're, we bring up RPOs all the time now. I'm sure there was some element of RPO stuff. Or were you just making that on your own? No, you know, it was some RPO. But honestly, back then, we were doing a lot of bubble screens. So it was a lot of pre-snap reads. So I would come to the line of scrimmage, and pre-snap, I would see, okay, is that – outside linebacker over on top of my slot receiver. If so, I'm going to hand the ball off. But if that linebacker was tucked inside into the box, in the box I mean from the, the right tackle over to the left tackle, if he's in that box, then I'm going to uh, actually fling out the bubble screen to my receiver. So th- those were our reads, and a lot were pre-snap. We didn't actually – make the adjustment post-snap when the ball's in my hands and I'm faking reading where the linebackers go or how the safeties move. And you see that a lot now. So I give a lot of these quarterbacks a ton of credit because you're making reads on the fly. And sometimes it's hard to be accurate when you're doing that because you're unsure where the ball's going to go until after the snap and after you actually read what the defender does. Bruce Gretkowski joins us here on the Rap Mad Dog Sports Radio. He's in our business now after 11 seasons in the NFL. You can hear him on SiriusXM NFL Radio and check out the podcast Grad School, which is on iTunes and SoundCloud. And I'm guessing before we had John Bruce, you were watching a little bit of the Monday night game. So let's just start breaking down some quarterbacks. I want to ask you about Deshaun Watson and Mariota in particular. Similar playing styles, but what do you see from these two quarterbacks? You know these two these two quarterbacks are exciting to watch. I mean they're they're up and coming guys. I think uh, Watson he throws the ball better. You know he just kind of more more elusive. It's hard to say that because Mariota what he brings to the table. But I think when you're the Tennessee Titans, I mean how you're going to win behind uh, Marcus Mariota is him protecting the football, making the necessary reads and adjustments, and making some plays with his legs. He can't afford to turn the ball over, and they have a good defense behind him, and they're getting behind tonight in the game. And Deshaun Watson, man, he just he can make those plays with his arm and his legs, and he also has a good defense to match that. And when you're, when you're playing well as a team, there's something to be said about just that chemistry in the locker room, and – that's what the Texans are doing right now, and that's how they're playing. I mean, starting 0-3 and then rattling seven straight is just unbelievable, and it's, it's cool to watch. Um, so it's great to watch these young quarterbacks, though, and, and to see this game evolve and what they're bringing to the table, and especially what Marcus Mariota's been fighting through this year with some of his uh, nerve issues in the elbow. And, Bruce, your last, was it three seasons in Pittsburgh backing up Big Ben? Yeah, so 2000. 2000- okay. 2013, I came Charlie Batch, who went to Eastern Michigan, were you his – you he left and you came in, correct? 
Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> he was there. He was literally a backup in Pittsburgh for like 10 years. Oh, he, I, yeah. I, I oh. want to ask you about your stay there. Did, did First off, I don't know if you saw that Baker Baker had issues with Hugh Jackson, obviously, as an assistant now with Cincinnati. But he also took a subtle shot at Todd Haley saying that they now believe in who's calling the offense. You played for Todd Haley at Pittsburgh. Did you have issues, or could you see how others would potentially have issues with Todd Haley? You know, and that's tough, you know, because Mayfield, I, I saw what he said, and he was kind of gave <laughs> – did you see the handshake after the game between oh, Hugh Jackson? that Jack- fish. <laughs> that fish handshake, dude. Uh, and Hugh Jackson goes in to, like, hug, hug him, like, oh, my man, good to see you. Good, good. <laughs> and, like, he didn't feel the, the same coming back from Mayfield, so he kind of, like, just tapped him on the head, like, hey, good job, and kept it moving. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if Mayfield knows how this business works yet because – Hugh Jackson actually got fired, and it wasn't his decision to go have to find another job. So it's always tough in those situations. It happened to James Harrison when the Steelers let him go, and then he signs with the Patriots, and Steeler fans are hating on him. And it's like, well, look, you got to rewind a little bit and see that he actually got lo- let go from his job. He He's just trying to find new work and a new, new employment, and he probably doesn't want to do it, but he's got to. Um, and there's probably some bad taste in their mouths, you know, of course. Uh, so, but that was funny, but look, I think what kitchens is doing right now, um, is he's simplifying the offense. I mean, he's making Baker Mayfield play fast and decisive. He's making good reads. He's surrounding him with a good running game. So he's doing the right things to surround him with the pieces and calling correct plays to make it easier on the quarterback. Sometimes you have to throw those easy you have to try to get the quarterback easy completions you know you have to simplify reads sometimes and break it down especially for young rookie quarterbacks he what did you think about baker coming out of oklahoma and have you been impressed obviously the last three games with that simplification bruce as you're talking about he's been unreal nine touchdowns one pick you know he's completing uh, close to 70 percent of his passes are you impressed overall by the skill set with baker yeah, I was. I was when he came out of college. You know, I watched his pro days. I watched him at the combine. At the combine, I was kind of worried worried about his footwork a little bit, not playing under center a lot, and not getting enough enough depth, especially being a shorter quarterback. I mean, you watch Drew Brees play. The guy gets back deep and fast, but he's in rhythm and timing, throws with great anticipation. Drew Brees is like just a unbelievable artwork in the pocket. You know, the way he just is able to maneuver his footwork, his timing, his accuracy, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. And Baker Mayfield will continue to grow and learn at that. But that was my only concern is his footwork coming out of coming out of college. But his arm strength, his accuracy, the velocity on the ball, the arm talent in general, the guy can make every throw. He can make throws on the run which is very hard to do a few weeks ago when he scrambled out to his right screen, you know, sprinting hard and then throws a, a bomb down the right side. A lot of times that ball tails off on you and drifts to the right side as you're scrambling to your right. And to be that pinpoint accurate. So Mayfield's doing a lot of good things and he brings the athleticism to the table. He's able to make necessary plays. And the, and the thing I love about him the most though, and this isn't coachable, it's his poise in the pocket. 
And you see it from like a Ben Roethlisberger. You see it from Tom Brady. You see it from these guys that can sit in the pocket and just make subtle movements and buy enough time to complete the ball downfield. A lot of time it's out of rhythm type plays. You know, you've already gone through your progression, but it's third and 12 and you kind of need to buy a little more time to let your guys separate versus either that zone coverage or cover two man and and that's what Mayfield does so well is he has that poise within the pocket to make those plays. Bruce Gridkowski doing a great job here on the Rap Mad Dog Sports Radio. Another Mac quarterback, Big Ben, who you played with for three He was amazing in college as well. But yeah, there's always yeah. that question, Bruce, like will it translate from a Mac school, from a smaller school to the pros? Tell, talk to me about Ben a little bit because I was watching last night. Now they lost in Denver, but – He's remarkable because he, he he still it's not like he's ever been in the greatest shape just I mean I he's an athlete a professional athlete so I'm not dogging him there but he's so strong. There was a play yesterday Bruce where literally there's somebody hanging on one leg and one arm and he completed a 20 yard out and I'm just like Ben Roethlisberger is not a normal human being. <laughs> no, he, he really isn't. I mean the guy is just big and physical and just athletic. And the way Ben is able to throw on the move, Ben's more accurate than anyone on the move and and being able to adjust to his receivers that do a little extra, put a little extra juice on their routes, a little more extra flavor, or, you know, scramble. Because I remember seeing it, and and Ben, what he does a great job of, if A.B.'s running a, you know, 18-yard comeback and he goes 22 yards, Ben does such a good job of, changing his arm angle in the middle of the throw. And a lot of times it's hard. If if I'm throwing that, I'm throwing on time. I'm hitting my back foot, hitching up and letting the ball go. He can do that and still adjust as he sees what his receiver's doing. And that's super talented. And the guy's just special. I remember we were playing, uh, I forget who we were playing, but we're in Pittsburgh at home at Heinz Field. And A.B. runs like an under route. And the corner makes a good play and reads it and cuts it off. Well, A.B. sticks his right foot in the ground and goes up the left sideline, puts his hand up, and Ben adjusts and throws him the ball. Boom. Touchdown. Probably like 50 yards. Everyone's hooting and hollering and you know slapping hands on the sideline. And I'm like, man, if that was me, I probably just threw a pick six because <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to bring the ball back and readjust and reset. So Ben's just a, such a special talent. And look – they live and die with him. You know, I mean, the guy can make those magnificent plays. He understands he has to protect the football, but that's what makes him so great. He's aggressive. He tries to make those plays, and he's never going to count himself out on any any given play, and that's why you love him. All right, speaking of a guy that the team relies on him, that being Aaron Rodgers. Now, Bruce, right before you came on, we were talking about the fact that I didn't realize that he's completing 61% of his passes this year, which is, you know, 28 of 32. It doesn't seem to make sense when you're talking about a dude as talented as Rodgers. You're watching Rodgers last night on Sunday Night Football. Are you seeing anything from him that, that I don't want to talk about him being in the decline, but is there something about the way Rodgers is playing right now from your eyes that looks different? You know, it's hard because he started out this season and in the very first game of the year, he gets banged up a little bit, you know, and that's always tough to kind of continue to play. Like in that course of that game, he got injured. Your adrenaline's going. You're able to bounce back and push through that game. But 
to continue playing throughout a season with an injury, you have to deal with that in practice. You're not getting as many reps as you normally do. You know, and that just lingers on. Now, he looked the most healthy he's been in a long time last night running around. But it's still, you know, it's still not, I would say, he didn't look like his old self. And he understood, he said, after he has to play better. I mean, but shoot, man, with 20 touchdowns and one interception, I wish I had to play better and still have those kind of stats. <laughs> so it's unreal how stupid he he plays with throwing 20 TDs in one pick. But, you know, that offense, that team goes as he goes. So he understands that. And that's been the Green Bay mentality. I mean, look at back with Brett Favre. And Aaron Rodgers came into that situation and watched the Hall of Famer go through what it looks like to to basically run the organization, you know. And that's where Green Bay goes, man. They go off that franchise quarterback, and it's built around them. And I just think McCarthy has to continue to – to not give him more weapons, but continue to be like how Andy Reid is. Andy Reid's adjusting to the times, putting plays in that are new, schematic, and designing plays uh, that are maybe easier-type easier, easier type completion-type throws. And But, look, it works two ways. You know, it's that communication. I think Aaron Rodgers probably has enough clout with McCarthy to go in his office and say, hey, coach, how about design some of these plays? Give me some of these throws. This is what I'm comfortable with comfortable with let's go more no huddle quick tempo I mean if I'm coaching Aaron Rodgers I give him a package and I say look man couple series of game it's on you I'm going to give you a few plays to pick from you go with one you're comfortable with and let's roll this thing and and just let the guy do what he does because he's so magnificent watching on the field and the type of plays because there's no one more athletic and talented than Aaron Rodgers Bruce, you know it's not normal. That is Drew Brees at 39 is completing almost 77% of his passes. Now, you're a dude that was born to play the position, but I'm sorry. I don't know. Can anybody put 76.7% completion percentage? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's insane. And you know what? For Drew Brees, though, he puts in the work. I mean, the guy, my buddy, my roommate from college, Lance Moore, played with Brees for nine years. I mean, the work Drew Brees puts in, and I'm talking Saturday, you know, we go, you got, you have a walkthrough on a Saturday morning. Well, Drew Brees takes the script and he walks through every single play and kind of goes through his footwork and his progressions and where every single read is, where every check down is. That's how ingrained this is in Drew Brees' mind. I mean, he knows the offense like the back of his hand, you know, and he kind of, he continues to put the work in, but You'll see some guys that are a 70% passer or 65% or even what Drew Brees is now above 75%. But it's not accuracy like we're seeing from Drew Brees. Watch his games. See where he's placing the football. Is it on the left shoulder? Is it on the right shoulder? Is it in the face mask? Why is he putting it in those positions? Oh, he's throwing it on the left shoulder because the defender's on the right shoulder. He's throwing it on the right shoulder because there's a defender closing in on the left side that the running back or receiver doesn't see. Those are the things, next level type stuff, that Drew Brees does that doesn't get noticed as much. We're just looking at his numbers, but it's actually in the film. I mean, the guy is super uh, accurate, and it's just unbelievable to watch. That tandem with Sean Payton and Drew Brees is something else. I mean, it's better than I've ever seen a coach player have that type of relationships relationship. It's like a Bill Walsh, Joe Montana 
type relationship they have in New Orleans. And Drew Brees is just executing this offense like no one other. And he's probably the most, if not the most ever, to just really orchestrate and, and lead an offense like he's leading um, and, and just be super e- efficient at it. I'm trying to think, when you were coming out of high school, was Wanstead at Pitt? Dave Wanstead at Pittsburgh? So uh, Walt Harris was initially. Walt Harris. And yeah. the, the only reason I remember that is because he never recruited me. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to think. I'm like, how does it – again, not to kiss your ass too much, but you're just <laughs> so talented and really had, you could sling it but also could run around. I don't understand how coming out of high school you weren't more highly recruited. Man, see, Patrick, I, you know, I just got to come on the show with you more. Anytime, yeah, of course. Anytime my confidence <laughs> is down, I'm going to give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> just call us, Bruce. But we'll no, have you on. But, no, like Walt Harris, you know, I think they were looking at a few quarterbacks uh, a year younger than me. So they didn't recruit me. But then a few years later, number nine ranked Pitt with Larry Fitzgerald came to Toledo in the glass bowl. And Lance Moore, myself, and the rest of our team that year we beat them 35-31, so it was a pretty sweet win. One of probably the biggest wins in my career at Toledo, which was pretty cool. Yeah, Toledo, I grew up in Michigan, so on our road trips, I know Toledo because it's the first city when we get out of Detroit, out of Michigan, you drive through Toledo. How did you like living in Toledo? Oh, we loved it. I mean, we love it. We're, we're there now as well. and you oh. know, Yeah, the, the university's been great to us, the community. Uh, we're back and forth from Toledo and Pittsburgh. I have a few restaurants in Toledo, Social Gastro Pub, and then I have a, a hospice company, Pilgrimage Hospice in Pittsburgh. So I really wanted to invest back in the cities that I care deeply about. And the one thing is in Pittsburgh with my hospice. You know, it's a great service we provide that, um, of course, it's a it, it's at a significant and uh, sad time of people's lives. But it could be an awesome journey that we help fulfill and get them through it with the patient and our families. And it was just, you know, my wife's a nurse and we really, when I signed with the Steelers, we wanted to bring something back to my hometown that uh, could last longer than football would. And so it's cool to be a part of. So I actually, I enjoy business too, Patrick. So just, just a little nugget. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you no, know, it's it's real, and I'm excited. By the way, I didn't realize the podcast, which is called Grad School. I'm going to download it. I encourage everybody else to as well on iTunes and SoundCloud. Did you meet your wife in Toledo? Did you meet her in college? Yeah, I met her in Toledo at church. You know, I was, um, you know, she she couldn't help the personality. You know what I mean, Patrick? Of course. At the time, I was gelling my hair. Now, of course, I'm bald. But uh, we we met at school, and then we. Um, traveled throughout the NFL together and then um, got married in 2011. Now we got three little rugrats running around, a daughter, Lily, she's five, and then two little ones, Roman and Lincoln. So they're going to be future um, – maybe they'll be future quarterbacks. Who knows? I'm going to be having reading defenses soon. Did you – three kids, man. I don't know how you have time to yourself. Did you – when in 16, when you finally retire – I'll let you go after this, but I appreciate the time. When you finally retired, Bruce – was there was it a hard transition for you because this is all you had known you worked your ass off for it or did the family and having perspective stuff as far as business and philanthropic stuff help with the transition yeah the business and family it definitely helped with the transition you know it's hard because you you never truly um 
get away from the game. You know, you, you always miss it. You know, you miss being in that locker room. You miss being with your buddies, the coaches, the communication, the hard work, the wins and losses week in and week out. The hard thing now to deal with is, you know, you continue to work so hard, whether it be in media, whether it's business, and you don't see those results in a week to see if you won or lost. You got to keep at it, keep preparing, keep executing. And in football, you can prepare hard one week. You know if you won or lost on Sunday, you make the necessary adjustments and you move forward. Now, and the same thing with business, that's what you do. But it's hard because, you know, I'd walk out of a game after calling a college football game this year and you don't have the same like feeling of, okay, yeah, we won the game. What a good game. Or you're not like, shoot, man, that was tough. We lost and I don't want to watch this film tomorrow. You walk out happy and satisfied, but you're not in that locker room. So you always miss that taste and that feel of being in the locker room. And, you know, I'm super blessed. You know, I wasn't highly recruited, like I said, and just God blessed me with the right opportunities and the right people around me uh, because it's more important about the right team around you that, that helps you get there. Well, listen, Bruce, it was a pleasure to have you on, man. You can come on. We'll pump up your ego whenever you want. You can come on whenever <laughs> you want. And, and we'll be listening on Thursday. Bruce is going to be on SiriusXM NFL Radio, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern, and also going to be on NFL Network this Sunday during the second set of games. Great, great stuff, Bruce. Great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Enjoy your okay. night. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Bruce, thanks so much, man. That was awesome. We'll definitely do it again. Uh, I'll shoot you a note. I sent a note to my bosses about emailing the you the interview, and I'll do it as soon as I find out from them if that's cool. All right, cool. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. All right, my man. Have a good night. See you.